Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Bible Unmuted. I am so excited about today's show because you're going to get to hear a conversation I had with the one and the only Dr. Dan Wilt. Now, this is Dan's first time on the show, and at the end of our conversation, I just wanted it to keep going. I didn't want it to end because it was just fabulous. I just loved hearing his thoughts and uh, listening to what he had to say about the subject of our conversation. Um, he, he, he's recently written a book um, called Receive the Holy Spirit, A 70-Day Journey Through the Scriptures. And um, we were talking about his book and just uh, some topics that he discusses in that book. And again, it was just such a treat. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. And I hope you will enjoy it. I know you will. It's just, it was just super, super cool. You can learn more about Dan from his website, danwilt.com. And I'll just read a little brief bio on uh, from his website so you can kind of get an introduction. He'll introduce himself and share more about his life and ministry in just a moment, but I thought I would read this quick bio before we jumped into that. Dan Wilt is the co-author of Sheltering Mercy, Prayers Inspired by the Psalms, and Endless Grace, Prayers Inspired by the Psalms, with Ryan Whitaker-Smith. Dan is a writer, speaker, worship leader, poet, songwriter, and encourager of Christians in many streams of the church. Over 30 years, Dan has encouraged thousands in the U.S., U.K., Canada, Northern Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, Brazil, and other nations with his unique blend of spirit formation teaching and ancient future faith. Drawing from many traditions of the church, Dan explores topics such as finding our identity in the love of God, following the way of Jesus in times like these, worship, and uh, the spirit, responsive life, and creativity. Um, He's part of the Anglican and Vineyard Communions of the Church and has taught in conferences, university settings, seminaries, and churches across the world. Dan holds a Doctor of Ministry degree from Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky, as well as degrees from Messiah University and St. Stephen's University. He's also studied at the uh, Tantor Ecumenical Institute in Jerusalem and the Robert E. Weber Institute for Worship Studies. So yeah, I mean, he comes with just a little bit of experience. <laughs> he comes with a lot of experience. Well, join me in welcoming the one and the only Dr. Dan Wilt. We have a special guest with us today, Dan Wilt, the author of Receive the Holy Spirit, A 70-Day Journey Through the Scriptures. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. So good to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a privilege uh, for us to be able to uh, glean some wisdom from you and hear about your new book uh, about the Holy Spirit. Before we get into that, though, I thought um, that'd be cool to just uh, have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, where you're from and just some background on you. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, I'll start with where I'm from. I was actually born and raised in a very small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, called Middletown, Pennsylvania. It's the home of the Three Mile Island nuclear disaster, if you, if anyone remembers that. Um, but yeah, born and raised in a, in a small town. Uh, in my high school years is when I, I came to faith, and that was connected to a, a Methodist and Wesleyan world. Uh, so grateful for that fellowship of Christian athletes, and, and a real transformation began uh in 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 my life that uh continues to and through this day right uh so my wife anita is uh is my my life companion she's an amazing amazing uh woman with with a great heart uh to to follow jesus and to love her husband through all the ups and downs and uh three amazing children too uh uh, i have a, a a daughter uh in her her early 30s 
uh, Anna, another daughter, Abigail, and a son, Benjamin, all in their kind of late 20s, early 30s range. And uh, it's really a delight to do life with them. Uh, they're, they're, they're great human beings. So now I, you know, I live and, and work uh, south of Nashville uh, in uh, Thompson Station, Tennessee. And that was after 20 years in Canada. Uh, I've, I've worked in various ways with, with the vineyard movement over the years. Uh, and a number of other denominations have always been a part of my heart and 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 life's work. Uh, I'm doing a lot of writing these days, uh, a lot of just encouraging uh, communities of faith to really take seriously the call to Christ likeness in thought, mind, heart, uh, and to live live in such a way that um, nurtures union with God in Christ. Uh, that sort of fullness of that, and so. So that's that's my world. The, the the thirty years or so in the Vineyard family of churches uh, were were great years for uh, I, I would call it you know a practitioner's journey with the Holy Spirit and um, and and uh, so many uh, I'm so grateful for so many insights and stories from from those years. Now I I uh, am in an Anglican uh, community as well, and that's that's great uh, for our local community. And I work with Seedbed. Uh, and New Room uh, Seedbed is uh, a resourcing agent, basically, to uh, gather, connect, uh, resource the people of God to sow for a great awakening. And New Room is a gathering uh, place for us. Uh, so, yeah. Wonderful. Those are some quick thoughts. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So tell us mm. a little bit about the genesis of your book. Um, yeah. What led you to write a book on the Holy Spirit? What yeah. prompted you to do that? Yeah. That's a great question. Probably uh, we both know in our work and worlds that, you know, there's a reason that the Holy Spirit is often spoken of in the language of metaphors and mystery and, you know, throughout the scriptures, because it's, it's, um, it's really a, a way of God's revealing of his heart and his self that, that captures, captures themes that really we we take in in our every day it's a sense of the spirit's movement and a sense of the spirit's empowering a sense of the spirit's comfort and guidance and, and all those kinds of things and and i think that the the core of the reason for the writing of the book was not that there aren't amazing books out on the holy spirit theological works and 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 practical works and but there was something in me that wanted to take a journey myself after, you know, decades and decades of walking with the Holy Spirit. As we know, we're in this constant discovery process. I, I love to call the Holy Spirit the surprising spirit, um, where you're, you're learning more and more about the nature of God as you, as you experience his, his nearness, his activity. And and I came to a place uh, just uh, in these in the writing of this that I wanted to take a journey from Genesis through Revelation through into our time and even through our time toward the eschaton, looking toward what is this grand narrative about and how is God self-revealed in the person of the Holy Spirit, the the ruach, the wind of God, the the energizing life and sustaining life of God. And I wanted to do it in such a way that so many people that I know are in my worlds are not uh, diving first into theological works on this. And I, I wanted to take stories, use 
a narrative theological approach, uh, fill it with metaphors and 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 other ideas that would maybe not not demystify, but in fact, in some cases, I want to remystify mm-hmm. <laughs> just the mystery of how the Spirit works and let us keep this keep the Holy Spirit out of these boxes we just quickly create. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we seem to love to do it, uh, but to, in a sense, uh, remystify, but also make very practical, what does it mean to hear the voice of God? What does it mean to, and using, again, metaphors and stories, to just invite people into uh, this place of of permission to uh, be on a journey with the Holy Spirit and be leaning in, listening. Uh, I, I love one of the metaphors that, that I used in here was was what I call sails up, where it's this idea that the wind is always moving around us. It was Jesus saying, it comes and goes. You don't know where it's going. The thing about a sailboat is it's got the architecture and design to receive it, to be sensitive to it. It's always, you know, sails up mm-hmm. and then we move. But if our sails are down just in bewilderment, you know, we're not going to we're not going to catch those moments that are true gifts of the spirit in our, in our journey. But really it, it was so that someone could take a 70 day journey. It was actually written initially during Pentecost. Mm. So it was a, it, you know, it's a 70 day kind of path to go from Genesis through the scriptures and explore different aspects of the Holy spirit. You know, one of the things that led me to the Anglican tradition just on mm. a very personal level, I mean, there are multiple things, but one, one thing um, was just the need that I felt, the conviction that started growing in me, and it has been for a long time, actually, but just the need to make Christianity contemplative again. And yeah, and that, that right there, though, requires yeah. a vision of God that is mysterious, that yeah. is capable of, of contemplation uh, for eternity, yeah. in fact. And it's interesting because you mentioned sometimes we have this idea. We sometimes we put God in a box, and mm-hmm. um, and I know that um, it seems like this is just my, my observation. But when it comes to the the yeah. spirit, the work of the spirit, the person of the spirit, <clears throat> he gets boxed a lot, and yeah. and I think that you know you talked about him being the surprising spirit, mm-hmm. and that that right there opens up the the idea of. Um, of it, you know, we can't put God in a box. We can't control him. And we like to make God in our image all the time. We like to know that yeah. we can predict his works and his ways and things like that. Yeah. But I, I think that's what's so good about your project of, of mm. coming back to the spirit and, and asking really important questions about the spirit because it mm. goes back to, like you said, remystifying, which I think is healthy yeah. because I think some traditions, mm-hmm. um, and there even a time in my own life where I, I didn't leave room for that, that I wanted to, I didn't say it like this, but yeah. I wanted to put God in a box, right? I would never admit that, but yeah. or never even recognize that, but that's what I was doing. And yeah. what that does is really stunts my growth as a Christian. Um, mm. My sales are not up, right? And, yeah. um, and so I think, yeah, any, anyway, maybe you could, if you don't mind, share a little bit yeah. about how or why do you think Christians tend to neglect that aspect of the mystery of God. Like, what is it about us that yeah. wants to put him in a box all the time? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's so many, so many thoughts in what you just said there that I think, you know, we could linger on for a long time. Uh, 
I'll start with that that last question, or at least my perspective on it. I'd love to hear yours too. Uh, I, I do think we are we we are people of the known. Knowing is very important to us. Predictability is important to us. Stability and and we come through times like 2020, for example, and you know, and onward. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And we realize we don't like surprises. We don't like to be caught off guard. We like to plan. We like words like tame rather than, you know, adventure. <laughs> or some of us do it late. We, 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 we tend to want to control our worlds in such a way that can move into a lack of health. Now, there's a side for me and, and, you know, just to touch what you said. The, the contemplative traditions, the sacramental liturgical mm-hmm. traditions, one of the gifts of those is, is I like to see it as there's a constant creation that we get a chance to do in our lives of opening windows for the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow through a house. And we know that if, if I open one window, I may get a breeze, but this is my window. I've built a doctrine around it. This all works for me. I know where that window is. I'm not, you know, but what happens when you open another window? Cross current begins. We start to experience the spirit in different ways. We open up, just to take it right into the metaphor, we open up many windows in our house from silence, stillness, solitude, the contemplative traditions. We open up the windows of, wow, the spirit may actually want to move me to, to pray something particular for someone or to say something to my neighbor. And there might be this moment that comes and now we're opening another window. And different traditions, I think, keep us keep us uh, aware that God is a person who wants to be interactive in our lives, interactive with others through our lives, but not to always be marked by fireworks and explode. And this was crazy. And, you know, yes, thank you, Lord, for all those stories in our lives and through history, senses of guidance and orchestration. I, I didn't think that this thing that happened 10 years ago would come around to this. And, and we see all those things, and, and I think we're we're we are reasonably rigid, but we recognize that if the Holy Spirit is going to do things in us and through us, the familiar can't be our sort of watch guard on all things. That this is uh, that's comfortable. I can do that. That's comfortable. Because I know people, and, and you know this. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the, the kind of all all, <laughs> all the wild edges over to the very quiet, and, you know. And I look and I think some of these people need some years in the contemplative tradition, just to still the soul, to learn to hear God speaking, lexio divina, through the scriptures, just whispering to us, guiding us, learning the rhythms and patterns of thankfulness. You know, the Holy Spirit is in the development of virtue. You, you know, we saw that in the book, just the explorations. This is about a deep ethical formation that is, um, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term habitus, that uh, there are a few writers who talk about that. James K. Smith gets into it, Alan Crider and others. There's just this idea that we have to be reformed, our bodily dispositions, our learning. That's part of the Holy Spirit's work. It's not just, wow, this happened, or wow, that. There's the deep, there's the long, there's the surprising, there's the consistent and steady. It's all about windows being open. And uh, I think we should open more than one from our tradition, you know. I think that's that's powerful. And and just to carry that mm-hmm. further is like, 
you know, we need interaction with, with, you know, other Christians outside of our own little tribe. We yeah. need to, we need to have more dialogue and conversations with people. And that's unfortunately not what happens uh, often because we stick to our tribe and we stick to our, yeah. our group. And, yeah. and, and I totally get that because I mean, you can't spend time with everybody, right? You need a home. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and, and I welcome that. I, you know, mm. I actually think, uh, that denominations are are good in in many respects that they give us that home. Yeah. But it's important though that we don't. Well, it's yeah. an old pastor once said, "You have a choice. You can either be rooted or rutted." And yeah. you know, sometimes we get rutted in our own sort of ways mm. of thinking. But that, but like you said, some need the contem- con- contemplative tradition to yeah. help. And 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 of course, it works the other way around too. Sometimes we can be so contemplative that we, yeah. you know, we don't. Uh, get a passion to help our neighbor across the street, you know, that we just, yeah. You know, yeah. So anyway, so there, we, yeah. we need all of that together. And um, yeah. so there's, um, there's yeah. a great story so in, in your book. Uh, I have it here, page 17. Mm. Uh, yeah. Page 17. It, it's a story about the stallion. Uh, the, the all story. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'd love for you to share yeah. that a little bit because yeah, and we'll, we'll get more into how does God talk to us. And I want, I definitely yeah. want to jump into that. Um, because, you know, a, a, a lot of times Christians have this idea that the Trinity is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy scripture, <laughs> right? Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. But okay. What about the spirit? And, um, and yeah. how do we, how do we navigate all, all of that, that relationship with the spirit and the text, but we'll get to that later. But I, I guess I just, yeah. um, I want to address a little bit the allergy mm-hmm. that sometimes we have against the miraculous and against yeah. Um. When well, God might have a word to speak to somebody through us, and right. um, yeah. Anyway, you want to share a little bit about that? That's yeah. The the, the story yeah. of your conversation with with that person. Yeah. Uh, that's that's. Uh. You know, it's just so important what you're saying that that we we recognize that. If if we if we're going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit has been doing since the beginning of time, not only in us, but also through us in the world. That if we're going to become people where heaven and earth meet, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to become those who actually have the mind of Christ, it doesn't say we we will have the mind. It says we have the mind of Christ, that we are, we are listeners. We're perceivers of, of the Spirit's presence of what the whispers of the Spirit might be of guidance. If we're going to partner with the Spirit in that, then, then we have to recognize, I think, a few things. One is that in Genesis, we have the Spirit first showing up on the scene to speak God's loving order into creation. In the midst of the chaos, His loving order comes and the fullness of creation emerges. That, that as we know, in our, you know, this is he speaks meaning into the meaninglessness. You know, it's purpose into the void. And and here we are. We move all the way through the scriptures, and it was just fun exploring some of that in the Old Testament in the book. But we move all the way to the scriptures, and Jesus is saying, "What does he come to do? He's come to undo the works of the evil one. What does the evil one do? It's chaos. It's heart chaos. It's mind chaos. It's it's so many." aspects of of the things that we we 
hate and wrestle most within this world, division and, and bitterness between people and the taking of life and whether it's psychologically or emotionally or, or physically, you know, these things that war against the human life moving through time that God has breathed into life, you know, these are the things that Jesus came to undo. He came to speak right in the middle of it. Well, this is, you know, there's the whole narrative of Jesus in the wilderness that he's led there by the spirit. He has this calling forging, I like to think. And then he comes out in the power of the spirit. And we move then into the New Testament. He, he immediately goes into that Isaiah proclamation um, that this is fulfilled in your hearing. And then we move into the New Testament. We start to see this unique thing happen. People who are living in union with Christ, John 17, you know, uh, through the epistles, they're living in union with Christ. The spirit now is doing, is undoing the works of the evil one through them. And in them, honestly, it's it's hard for the Spirit to do things, to allow the Holy Spirit to undo the chaos within us, to address the shame, the fear, the brokenness, all the things, to change our habits from old habits into these new Christ-like ones, the fruit of the Spirit. And at the same time, sometimes it's harder for others to... Uh, uh, to get away from the outward signs. We just want to get out there and be all this. And they're, they're putting a door up that's impervious spirit. Just don't get at this issue. And we see Jesus creating these whole people. There's, there's ethical transformations. There's emotional transformation. There's mental, you know, transformations that go on in people. They learn new virtues. The spirit gives that impetus for the encouragement of the church. You know, the spirit gives gifts, uh, lavish gifts uh, for the, you know, the common good. And then we see that there's something to be done in the world. And so, you know, we see these gifts that we call, you know, these charisms of the Holy Spirit happening. And and it's my deep belief, and I think church history bears it out, that the spirit is going to continue to move through the body of Christ all the way until we see it face to face and all things are made new and, and all of that. So in this moment... Um, sorry, I have a habit of making a long story long. But we're ants sometimes. I, my kids say, you know, I say I'm an ant. I, I don't say anything unless it takes a long time to say. <laughs> um, but uh, in I, I, this I moment, tell people, like, okay. do you, do you want a short answer or do you want a good answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's right. I, I, exactly. I always want the good answer. So you're in good company. <laughs> you, you keep talking, you're good. That's right. <laughs> Nuance is, is important in our time, right? Um, and so in this moment, uh, I was with someone at a conference, and uh, there was a call and invitation to stand if you wanted prayer. And I was, I was in my own early days. Again, I'd come through many different traditions in the church. wasn't sure even fully of my perspective on how does the Holy Spirit work in us and through us. How does this work? And uh, and I stood up and went over to pray for someone who was near me. There there were a lot of people, hundreds in the room, and many were standing to receive prayer and. And this dynamic happened where, you know, I usually ask, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? And it was a man. And he said, sure, you know, go for it. And I put my hand on his shoulder. And as soon as I did, in my mind's eye, we could say imagination, uh, impression, I saw a black stallion running down a beach. And, and what I'd been learning is that if the Holy Spirit is living and active in us, what if we assume 
If we're pursuing Christ and we're aware of our belovedness and we're cultivating this relationship, what if we begin to assume that those flash moments are not just random what we had for lunch moments, but what if we begin to assume I have the mind of Christ and I don't just have the mind of Christ. I believe I'm gaining the heart of Jesus. I think God has always been looking for people who love why he does what he does more than what he does, who love the motives of the heart of God. And and in that moment, there was this sense of, of, I felt God's love in my heart for this man. And I just said, you know, Lord, let me pray something for him. And, And I'd been learning to, instead of immediately beginning to pray just out of my own thoughts and feelings and wanting to be an encouragement as a brother, to actually pause and listen. Just quiet my heart, let some impressions come. And I think over time and experience, you learn to shake off some and some feel like a a needle kind of pointing. And I saw this impression immediately as soon as I touched him. And I just said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you out of a picture that I'm getting. And I just submit it to you because I, I really believe I could be wrong. You know, (laughs) I've had moments where people go, I don't see that now, but then Two years later, they said, hey, anyway, helpful. But in this moment, I I just saw this picture. And so I began to pray for him out of this picture. Well, as soon as I began to pray for him, I said, I see a picture of this black horse running on the beach. He begins to actually visibly weep. Tears begin to come. And that isn't always an indicator that you're you're on to something, but it is an indicator that the Lord's doing something. There's something important going on. And and I prayed, and I, I don't know if I even wrote down how long, but it went for some time, and I just kept praying. And as I was praying in it, sometimes I say you have to get in the mode to get in the mood. I don't know everything I'm going to pray, but as it unfolds, you're listening for more. You sense the Lord saying this, and it's about strength, and it's about about being set free to be a little wild and not just taming everything, you know, for the sake of whatever. Anyway, it's long prayer time. And he looked at me at the end, he he lifted up his eyes and we just kind of smiled knowingly, like it was just good to be together before the Lord. And and he just said, you'll you'll never guess what I do for a living. I said, what? He said, I work with horses. Okay. (laughs) And then I got chills and he had to, and he said, and you know, my favorite movie of all time, it's the black stallion. (laughs) And in that moment, there, there were two things that happened, I think. One is this tremendous, and I think we should talk about this more, this tremendous humbling. Mm. Because the fact is, I could have bypassed that mm-hmm. and just gone with something else and prayed something nice and he moves on and et cetera. But there was a lot of chaos undone that day because mm. he knew the father saw him and named him and saw his life through some stranger praying for him. And that tips a scale in someone's life, they go back to moments like that and say, you know, I might doubt God in this storm I'm in, but I look back on that moment. God knew something I needed to hear and be prayed for through. And there was just release and freedom. And there was a lifting of his countenance and so many things. Mm -hmm. I think, well, Lord, we don't want to miss that. Mm. I I don't want to, out of my background or personal discomfort or whatever, misparticipating in someone being set free that other layer in the way that I've been because someone obeyed the Holy Spirit, called me out of the blue, encouraged me over a text, 
maybe you know some something happened around me or or you know these circumstances were orchestrated we don't want to miss those things for him to work in us and through us in the world mm-hmm. so those are just the, it's that first story and and i really do believe we're we, this idea of being a royal priesthood we are now you know i like to think of it as we're, we're kind of walking signs and wonders we've been loved by god and it's it's you know it's uh, you know, we don't see him yet. We love him. We're filled with this inexpressible joy. Not everyone in the street in my neighborhood is feeling that mm-hmm. today or has experienced that. And here we are placed in a situation. It's not random with that coffee shop person who's serving me. It's not random that I'm because now I'm sales up. I'm listening. I'm perceiving I'm saying, Lord, is there anything you want to do with me today? Any way I could partner in what you're already doing in someone's life? And that will lead to moments where, remember another moment I was, I was getting served by a, a waitress in a restaurant with my daughter, and I just saw her in a cap and gown as she walked over. I just had this mind. The Lord speaks to me in kind of these visual impressions, or a scripture typically will come. And, but I saw this, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, all I want you to do is encourage her. There's no like mysterious, ooey-gooey way to say this. And I I said, are you thinking, I'm curious, are you thinking of getting further education? And she said, actually, I've been really weighing whether I should go back to school right now. Mm. And instead of, well, here's a great evangelistic moment, I felt like one sows, the other reaps. I just said, can I encourage you? I I believe that, you know, uh, sometimes I I can perceive something. You're going to be a great student. You should go for it. There are dreams ahead for you, and God knows what you care about. And I did. I kind of capped it off with that. And her, you could just see her face lighten. And it, it's it's not only in what we say, it's in how we say it. Who knows if she had a really difficult faith background and didn't need someone coming hard at it. You know, just this was the whisper of God. Come on a little further, further on, you know, further in. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I think, yeah. I think that, um, you know, our, as human beings and, and, I'm just saying this off the cuff here. And I've thought about it, I guess, Mm. quite a bit through the years. But I think what we need most is not so much answers, but we need to be, what we need most is to be known by God, right? I mean, this is so good. Yeah. um, You know, and so in that moment, and and again, I'm speaking, hopefully not out of turn here, but for that, for that young lady is maybe what she needed to know is not just merely, hey, go, go pursue education, but she needed to know that she was known by God in some sense, in that sense. The same yeah. with the stallion story. I think yeah. it could be the case that what he needed to be, uh, what he needed to know is that he was known by God in a yeah. way that you had no idea that he, what he yeah. did. Living. You know, you, and, right. and, and I, it, just in my own experience as a Christian, even recently, mm. I mean, I, I'm thinking of three instances the past uh, two, three months mm. where people have said things to me, um, you know, uh, and, and, and and they didn't know like there was no real way they knew what they were saying you know what i mean and how it would mean yeah. beautiful to me and and um yeah i won't, I won't get into all that but it was just beautiful because in a sense like mm. i i felt known in that moment you know by god yeah. and and you mentioned the humility piece yeah. i think i think what a lot of christians today are afraid of when it comes to the things we're talking about the works of the spirit the supernatural mm-hmm. elements if you call them that we're afraid yeah. of it because of the abuses that we've seen. Exactly. And I, I think yeah. it's very important for people to know, at least in my experience, when God has spoken to me through people and, and in the experiences you've mentioned, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's always that deep sense of humility that it's never about the person speaking to you. It's about the God yeah. who is speaking through them. Like, like yeah. in that moment so when good. you're talking to the gentleman about the horse, you know, the image that you yeah. saw, what was meaningful to him is not you. I mean, yeah, what you did, I'm sure was meaningful, but ultimately his eyes were mm. on God in that, in that moment. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, and, and anyway, I think like, I mean, is am I on the right track here to say that some of the That's abuses so that we've seen in the yeah. past, the the at the heart of it, what's wrong with some of those abuses is that um, they were centered on the person and the yeah. you know like look what that person is doing, look how that person's ministry is, and he's got a platform now or she's got a platform. Yeah. And so, is the key here humility? Is that is mm-hmm. is that one of the signs that this is a legitimate? movement yeah. of god when we experience these things i think so i, I you know it, it, there might even be another another thought here with that I, I do think humility is there i do think uh even even what we experienced in in the uh i don't know if you're familiar with all that happened at asbury university yeah. there was yeah. such a humility over all this there was such an unknownness not in a, an unhealthy way. It was just beautiful. It was so clear the Holy Spirit was doing things and people were trying to get out of the way just so that people could have this exchange with God. And even in, in ministry, it wasn't about personalities and celebrity and all the things. So I think there's this humility because it, it, it's, you said something there that I think is so important. We don't need to be afraid of how the Holy Spirit works because the Holy Spirit has the exact same character as the Father and the Son. If we love the way the Father loves us and moves in gentleness and and yet in you know incisive ways and all that, we love the way Jesus. Well, we're going to love the way the Holy Spirit works. And I think you know there's this dynamic where you have this one side where there have been abuses, where it's been personality centric, or the Holy Spirit's treated like a plasma or a force rather than the very person of God. Right. And then there's this other side where something in us says. Well, I don't, I'm not like that. And if that's the way the Holy Spirit works through people, then that's not my world. And I I think after, even after taking this journey in the book through the scriptures, it looked to me like what the Holy Spirit invites us into is to be more of who we truly are. Mm. More truly of human. who we truly, truly that's it. Yeah. Glory of God is a human being fully alive. Like it's truly mm-hmm. human, who we are, and in humility, allowing the spirit to work through that. Because I think there's this this thing we do too. It's like, oh, I'm just a conduit. It's all God. It's not mm-hmm. me. And I think God's saying, actually, I'm using you as well in your personality. I'd like you to find joy in this. I'd like this to change you, bring some humility, sure, but also to delight you. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sweet how I love other people just like I've loved you? And we go, oh, this is so good, you know, and we get to, to delight in all that God does and gives. So I think what you're saying there is so true. And I think if we can just get comfortable mm-hmm. in who God has made us to be, we don't want it to ever be a cop out. Well, I'm, I'm quiet and reserved. Therefore, God must always do things in a quiet, reserved way through me. And you say, well, it's definitely an option. <laughs> and he loves your personality. But if we're actually people open to his movement, he might actually surprise us and invite us to a new who we are mm-hmm. that we haven't previously seen in the mirror or defined ourselves at. And 
over a lifetime, that new who we are is becoming more like Jesus. Mm. It's becoming more people of the Spirit. Uh, I think Gordon Fee put this in so so many good ways. We are people of the eschatological spirit. Mm-hmm. The end is breaking into the now. And if we'll say yes, it will heal us and it will heal the world. It will undo chaos in us. It will undo chaos in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll participate in undoing the work of the evil one, lovers of God and the beloved of God. That's so beautiful. Ah, so good. Well, mm-hmm. I want to I want to get to a passage of scripture here that it's, it's yeah. a great text. It's from Romans 12, 6 through 8. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it, and I'll have a, kind of a question about this, and yeah. love to hear your answer. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of questions that I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the listeners are, are wanting to ask, or just mm-hmm. honestly, they're just based on my own background that that I uh, yeah. I know that Christians around me would be interested in hearing. But anyway, let me read this text: Romans twelve six through eight. It says, uh, and this comes from the ESV. It says, "Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us." Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, yeah. So we so we do have we have this tendency if we just look at just that short little list of gifts: prof- prophecy, service, exhortation, teaching, and whatnot. They're all grouped together as if um, you know be, being you know, products or gifts from the one giver, the spirit. But we have this tendency to separate the spiritual gifts from the so-called non-spiritual gifts, right? Right, Um, right. And I think, and perhaps that might lead to some, it might lead to some who would say, you know, the the, the gifts in this category are no longer available today. The the supernatural gifts. The natural gifts... Uh, they are like teaching. That's still in force today. G- giving generously and mercy, acts of mercy. That's still giving. Yeah. But prophecy, ah, no, that's that's back. That's that's outside of the yeah. the, the realm here. That's a spiritual gift or a supernatural gift. These are natural gifts. And I remember Craig Keener saying, "I love Craig Keener's work." Mm, on, Craig, on of course. Topic. Yeah, he's yeah. a gift, isn't he? Um, so good. He he made the comment. He said, "Well, no. I mean, all gifts are spiritual gifts. All gifts are supernatural mm. gifts." So you can't yeah. just divorce one, exercise yeah. one out of the group. Anyway, what what would you say to that? Um, uh, any so thoughts good. on that? Yeah, yeah, I, I love this this conversation. Um, the spirit, it says in in the Nicene Creed, the spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. Right. So when we think of all the gifts of life, that person who, for some reason, when they show hospitality. Or they bake those cakes, or they knit those. Those uh, we had a gal who had this gift for knitting slippers for people and skill, and you know, and, and you go all the way back and you start to see people. You see Bezalel and Aholiab, and they're selected because the Spirit is on them to do things. They learned how to do over a long period of time, but there were natural gifts. But but how does that work? And, well, what I think we see, and what what that quote from. From um, Keener really kind of illuminates is that the spirit is at work in all these things in us and through us. The more we're yielding to the Holy Spirit and becoming more Christ-like, there's an amplification at times of gifts. So a teacher is a teacher, but sometimes the spirit breathes and there's a 
a gift of teaching that starts to take on some momentum and impetus and, and it feels a little beyond the person and hopefully it breeds humility in them increasingly rather than some sense of arrogance that comes with it as they grow in skill and, and natural gifts are there. And so I, I, I love the way we're, we're, we're framing this. When we look across the scriptures, when we see these various lists of gifts, which for me personally, I, I can't live in the scriptures and say there's only this many or only this many. Or It feels to me like they're all windows and indicators into natural gifts that are amplified by the Holy Spirit, specific charisms that are for a moment. Fee will we'll actually talk about it uh, as ethical transformations, fruits of the Spirit, mm-hmm. which to me should be at the very center. They're the litmus test, if you will, for the heart of God being expressed even through surprising prophetic gifts or other things that might be in play, that we should be seeing the nature of Jesus in and through them and behind them as well. So gentleness actually is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that should characterize as something coming. Mm. And I think that uh, there is this understanding of spiritual gifts that we can hold as believers that says the Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life in me as well. And he's given me certain pensions, certain ways I like to do things, certain loves, certain affections. You know, um, I know someone who's a chef and is a really, really good one. And their sensibilities with those things seem a little bit uncanny to us or a little beyond. I'm going, this is something beyond them. Sometimes I think even in the world, people are operating in natural gifts and the Holy Spirit uses their giftedness to woo them back to him. To show them this is beyond you. Don't just take pride in this. This is also my gateway to get you back to me. And I think we see some conversion stories historically, great minds like a C.S. Lewis, but the Lord just said, This way, come through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I I just I agree with that statement. I think we are uh, you know, a friend used to always say naturally supernatural. We are people who are moving as who God made us to be always yielding so that we are becoming even more who we're made to be in Christ, so that we're becoming more like him, not just less like ourselves, if you will. I think there's an amplifying of being fully alive and learning how to die to ourselves. I think it's both. And then we step in with confidence and boldness. Um, Just one other thought here. I I don't know. I hope that's okay. You can (laughs) edit it out if it doesn't fit. But I'm thinking about, uh, it's just coming to mind, Bernard of Clairvaux's The Four Degrees of Love. And he says, you know, it's love of self for self's sake. And then you move into love of God for self's sake, right? It's just so normal. And then we move really into the big one, love of God for God's sake. And we're like, okay, just stop there. We've arrived. Welcome to heaven, right? But he says one more. He says, love of self for God's sake. And he wasn't using the language of self-absorption, of me, myself, and I-ness. He was moving into, what if you got really good at dying to yourself in Christ, and you got really good at coming alive to all that God made you to be as a humble vessel, becoming Christ-like with his character, but when you're invited to go do this thing, you step into it with confidence that the Spirit's going to work with you and through you, and you are delighted to move in that direction rather than shy and, oh, no, please, it's not me. And Jesus is like, yeah, we both know it's not about you. I want you here, fully alive, giving your you know best. 
And I think if we begin to see that, then we're open to, you know, fee, we'll talk about those as worship gifts, the, the things that are more surprising and unique and aren't always personality connected or natural gift connected. But then there are these other gifts that are just skills we've developed in accord with affinities and desires. And the spirit just goes here now, I'm going to amplify this and just put smiles on the faces of everyone in the room. You know, when someone operates in a gift, it's not always about a miracle happening or some evidence. It's about the Lord loving people, like you were saying, and encouraging and, and people walking out, having sense that they met with the love of God in the room and not just you, mm-hmm. or the love of God in that hospital room, and the love of God in that they're, they're, they're connecting with more than just you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. And you mentioned uh, Bezalel and Aholiab in Exodus. You have yeah, a chapter yeah. on that, or I think day nineteen, I think it is. And, right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really important here too because I, I was trying to think how we could contextualize that in in mm. the life of a Christian in their church today because I think mm. you know most churches and I might be getting this wrong, but I think there's like a, a funny rule that you know twenty percent of your church congregation does eighty percent of the work or something like that. Right. And, yeah, and so exactly. we have a lot of Christians in the church who mm. aren't you know, contributing with their spiritual gifts in some way. Um, and that may, you know, that's not necessarily because they're wanting to be rebellious. It might just be fear. Like, well, what do I have to contribute? Yeah, what What can yeah. I do? And can you flesh yeah. out just, I don't know, just ways in which that people can begin to yeah. ask that question is like, okay, here I am day in, day out, saying, sitting in the pew. I'm not really yeah. doing much, but what can I be doing to contribute? And yeah. Could you speak into that and maybe yeah. expand a little bit on Bezalel and Aholiab? And yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, someone recently based, uh, we, we were doing a study on, on the book, and, uh, and and they said, I just don't feel like I, I hear God or God ever uses me, or I just, I just don't feel any of that. You know, I haven't experienced that. This is all new to me and 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 something came to me in that moment it was you know the famous line from chariots of fire is when i run i feel his pleasure yeah and i asked the question what is it that when you do it you feel the pleasure of god and someone else is lifted somehow and we're like wow well i i love to bake and, and, and do things and i think so there's something in you that rises it feels like more fully alive, more whole. There's something about that, the process even, that can, you feel connected with God. Like there's a sense of commun- there's a sense of witness with God in this area. And when you do it, someone else is lifted and encouraged. Well, you're getting right into the zone of probably some of the ways that the Holy Spirit's using you right now, and you just haven't named it that way. What if we began to explore that? And I think that... That question alone, what is it that when I do it, I feel his pleasure? It feels in accord with something he would want to do. You know, I just asked the question, does the Lord want to lift hearts that are sad and weary, the bruised, you know, read the, 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 the smoldering way? Does he want to lift someone in a moment? Well, yes, of course. That's called encouragement. That could that has a number of names, hospitality. It's all the things. What if? That's actually the spirit working for you as profoundly as if someone is physically healed when we pray for them or, or something else is, you know, a teacher is in their element on a big stage with thousands. What if the Lord is saying, yeah, that's great. Yeah. As long as they're humble and, and being obedient, I want you to bake a cake mm-hmm. 
and lift a heart one by one or three by three. Or, and there was just this sense of ownership. And I think that's the way we could maybe begin to discern how the spirits wired us to, to move. And then we then we make choices. I, I really am a firm believer in human volition. Like mm-hmm. the Lord does not compel us. I'm going to force you now to go do this thing. He invites us now. And that's, um, that's you know, I, 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 I've had this long held belief that, and, and I think scripture backs it up, that we all have a one calling. It's to be a beloved son or a beloved daughter of God. That's all I want to put on a business card because everything else are little invitations. They're callings and they might show our strengths, but I don't want those on my business card because I don't take those across the line with me. It's mm. just union with God in Christ, belovedness, all that. And I think sometimes we get these other things in, well, I'm not as gifted in this and I'm not as called to do, et cetera. Well, if we're focusing on our belovedness to God, and then we're moving in, 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 in as the love of God to others, then if we have a gift, something we do that when we do it, we feel the pleasure of God and we know it lifts people. And the Lord says, I want you to step into that in your church community or in your community. For a season, it doesn't mean it has to be forever. It doesn't even mean it has to be perfect or go exceedingly well. It just means the Lord is saying, beloved one, I need you right here, right now. I'm inviting you. You will probably bless people. You will also learn something. I, I love how business people, you know, the, the skills, gifts, and then they get into a, a setting where they have to discern and get beyond just their experience and wisdom from all their experience and actually need to hear the Holy Spirit speak beyond their wisdom and experience. It's a very humbling process because you have to say yes to all my gifts and experience, but they can't get in the way of the Lord saying, I know, but I want to do something a little different this time. And it's beyond your experience. There's something in it for us in growth in Christ likeness serving others. So we're saying yes, not only to serving others, but we're also saying yes to our development. And so I'd say, what is it that when you do it, you feel the pleasure of God and it lifts others. And then ask the Lord, what is the next way you are inviting me to serve with that? You know, one time, I mean, one thing that we do sometimes as Christians is we equate the work of the spirit with spontaneity. Could you speak a little bit about how the spirit works through our preparation? gaining the skills yeah. that we need for whatever like you yeah. know you use the example of baking and by yeah. the way it really runs home to me because my daughter mm-hmm. loves to bake and she's really That's good. sweet and i yeah. love to eat it and she gets so much fulfillment yeah. out of baking you know it's and, so good <laughs> and i literally get so much fulfillment from her baking. About it? <laughs> so, it, but exactly. you know but just using my beautiful daughter as an example is you know yeah. she she i've seen her grow in her baking skills right yeah, and yeah. and it's a beautiful picture of just our own our own calling is that we have you know we need to give ourselves room to prepare and grow and to get training even yeah um to develop this the the gifts I guess you can say could you yeah. speak into that about that that process because it's not all spontaneous yeah. not all it's that's not, not absolutely it can not. Be. I mean it can yeah. be like that but it doesn't yeah. have to be yeah you you know we know we know that things that last often take a long time to create, to build, that there's, it's an iterative, life is an iterative process, isn't it? It's, it's an ongoing, and, and here's the me that 
we look back 10 years ago and go, was that me? Was that really the same person? You know, we're, we're growing, we're developing. And we also know that there is this, the, the, when we're working the muscles of virtue, so I'm going to, this is the year of, you know, um, this is the year of learning patience. I'm going to learn patience. We know that it takes time and experiences in order for that to be forged and grow. We know that for someone to become a great musician, they, they have to practice a lot. And actually, you know, neuroscience tells us there are there, the brain is mapping neurologically with the instrument. There's a whole formation going on. And these things are all things that take time with skill building. It takes as much obedience to say yes to doing a five year degree program or to learning a, a skill. Uh, I think it was uh, Makoto Fujimura who. Who talks about you know his his roots in his training moving to the kinds of work he does now and, and his connections in his book Art and Faith are beautiful. Just this this dynamic of of what it means to become a maker in the world as those made in God's image, right? And, and it takes a long process of relationships and skill building and 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 tedium. I mean, being alone in the monotony and writing that paper because you have to and zero emotions are involved but it's the right thing to do and the spirit is helping you get it done by 11 p.m because it's do it or whatever it is you know all these kinds of things that take time we we have great respect for uh, a mother uh, and a father raising a child these things take time they're long they're long stories long obediences in the same direction and the spirit is moving in and through it all. And the, the, the sort of celebration of the spontaneous. I remember uh, this, this isn't, I truly am not intending to be name dropping, but it is the moment. I was sitting with N.T. Wright back, I think, before he was really well known uh, in, in, his, uh, in his home in uh, Westminster Abbey. We were just doing an interview, just talking. And and he said, you know, there is this, I can't remember how he said it, but this glorification of the spontaneous. If it's spontaneous, if it happens instantaneously, we think that that's more valuable than those things that are patterned, rhythm, written, uh, you know, over long periods of time done. And it's, it's, it's a disorientation of the modern mind. And it really is. It's just a disorientation um, that that we can break through and say the long and the slow is as much the deep work of the Holy spirit as the momentary and surprising, mm -hmm. even the long and predictable that you and I were standing on, on these giants, you know, the scriptures have come to us through long, slow historic processes, but they've all been leading somewhere that leads us to our moment. Mm -hmm. And here we are, the benefactors, the enriched by books and, and great works of architecture and so many other things that have liturgies that have taken time to create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, a long obedience in the same direction, uh, which is the title of Eugene Peterson's one of, yeah, one of his yeah. books. And it, right. it reminds me, you know, you know, he was a guy who was a very deep thinker. I mean, you could read his book a million yeah. times and get something each time about of truth, you know, uh, it's a very deep thinker, a uh, very well-trained person. Um, but also, um, always with an eye toward practicality mm -hmm. and living right, right. in the church and in your context and living out obediently to the Lord and so forth. And yeah. I think, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this when it comes to the spirit. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes in Western Christianity and some traditions, uh, 
it, it might seem all heady, you know, it might seem all cerebral yeah. and we can't have that. It yeah. can't, and as someone who loves scripture, I mean, I love scripture. That, that's one of my gifts is to teach scripture. I love doing that. Yeah. I, have a, I have a high view of scripture. Yeah. Um, but it can't all just be intellectualized. It has to be right. uh, applied. If, if you're going to understand it, you got to apply it. And so I think doesn't the spirit by by reacquainting ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, you get that because the spirit inspired the text, but the spirit inspires us to live out the text in creative ways, even in our lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Does, does that does that make sense? Did you so true. That? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, when it, when it comes to our Christian faith, I think we have these two mm-hmm. extremes, you know, and. And I think that's why I like just this conversation is because I feel like you're the type of person who will, who who understands the work of the spirit enough to see it as a a guardrail, not to fall into any of those extremes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I don't know if that's just just a comment, I guess, but just something I was thinking. I love it. Um, You know, you're, 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 yeah. I was just going to say, you're tapping into this, this thing of, you know, I sometimes think we, we, we're a little bit fixated on our particular gifts. So those who are more heady tend to think that that we need to just live here and not explore too. And those who are real, what I'll call hardy, (laughs) right. Um, And, and feely touchy or emotional. And I tend to be very emotionally wired the the creative side of me and, and all that, but there's this sense of, no, it should all just be, it should all really Mm -hmm. be emotive and connect. And And I think we're, we're really aware that we don't just need great thinkers in history, we need great feelers. Right. And these can look askance at one another and go, oh no, that's it's too much. Too, too one side of the horse. It's it's just and I go, but that's actually the gift is that we would be a mentor of mine used to say, um, we would have um thinking hearts and feeling minds, that there would be this this great integration of 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 emotion, of thought depth of thought, and we would become, all of us, even more holistic and not use those extremes as excuses for how we see the Holy Spirit work. You know, we it really is, we're, we're, we're natural box creators, and those boxes tend to look very much made in our image. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit's going, I'm great thoughts and great feelings. Look at all of creation. It is all the scope and scale. So the spirit of the creation is going to bless all of that. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to learn to be integrated again in the personality of Christ as we're formed into Christ's likeness. Mm, that's good. Well, just, just wrapping up here, I'd like to ask, a, uh, it's kind of a simple question, but it help, it'll help mm-hmm. give uh, listeners your goal behind the book. But what, if you could, if you could sum up your book and, you know, yeah. one thought like what? What is your goal with this book? What's the one thing, the one truth mm. that you mm. hope your readers walk away with? Mm. I think I would say the Holy Spirit is in you, is with you, is transforming you, and moving through you to transform others. Say yes. Say yes to being that dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Say yes. Because I, I so that say yes, I think is is the line. It is live a life that is open to the adventure of the long and slow work of the Spirit, 
of the momentary work of the Spirit, of the, the visionary work of the Spirit that invites us to do, you know, delightful things and hard things, and it all be for our formation into Christ's likeness. Just keep saying yes. And if there are opportunities that appear in front of you, let yes be the first inward prayer. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm available to you. And then no, he may say, I want you to say something, or I just want you to pray something. I want you to walk into this. I want you to walk away from this. I want you to, because this whole thing is about us learning to walk in the spirit, as Paul said, to keep in step with the spirit, not running ahead, not falling behind, just being in the moment, in present with the spirit and saying yes. Yeah. That's that's good. That's really good. Well, the book is called Receive the Holy Spirit, a 70-day journey through the scriptures. And uh, Dan, where can people get the book? Yeah. If they just go to uh, seedbed.com slash receive, that's the book. Seedbed.com slash receive. It'll take you to the book, uh, Receive the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Yeah. And, and I'll put a link in the, the show notes for this too. It'd be easy to, just to click and go there. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm blessed oh, just my privilege, having had this here. conversation. I feel privileged just to pick your oh, brain and, and learn from you. Thank you so much for being on the show. My privilege. Grateful for you and, and for everyone listening. That's the end of today's episode. And thanks again for listening to The Bible Unmuted. If you like this podcast, consider rating it on your podcast platform, subscribing to it, and sharing with your friends. You can also support the podcast by becoming a Patreon member. Go to patreon.com slash thebibleunmuted or simply find the link to the Patreon page in the description for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, friends.